What's up guys, welcome into the week 5 preview for Drew's Views. This is Drew here again with uh, my buddy Logan, aka the self-proclaimed guru. Uh, pretty good week last week, Logan went 9-1, and one. I went 7-3. and three. A lot of big storylines in college football. Um, Tennessee sucks. Um, Kelly Bryant leaving Clemson. Uh, Ohio State's probably the second best team. Clemson's only got one scholarship quarterback left on the roster, so a lot to get to this week, and I'm really excited to uh, go ahead and jump into the Week 4 review and then back into the uh, Week 5 preview. happening so we're gonna go ahead and uh, just go over last week's games the self-proclaimed guru went nine and one last week a big comeback from a couple two and three weeks um, a couple four lost weeks so it's really good to see somebody finally picking picking the picking some good games this this time I'm really I'm really proud of you this week <laughs> all right <laughs> so uh first game we're gonna go over is I don't know if you can call them the fighting Kiffins. I'm just going to start calling them the Kiffins. The Kiffins. I, would them, I would just call them losers because that's what they are. It's terrible. So we're going to go with the losing Kiffins. Traveled to UCF last week. We both picked UCF. Thank God I thought about picking Florida Atlantic. Um, I said this would be a close game. You said it would be a blowout. Um, UCF was a 13.5 favorite. They covered the spread. They won by 20. Wasn't even really close after halftime. I think it was a four-point game at halftime. Um, Kiffin doesn't have much to work with. Always got Singletary. The the Oklahoma quarterback transfer at Florida Florida Atlantic is booty. Uh, Mackenzie Milton, Milton, UCF, he's a real deal, and uh, they're really not missing a beat uh, from Scott Frost. Uh, from, from Scott Frost going to Nebraska, so uh, I think I think it's a pretty decent win. Obviously, Florida Atlantic, not not the best win, but. Uh, definitely a good win for UCF, especially uh, to bump them up in the rankings this week. Yeah, and, you know, me and you both picked that game. Um, we've been kind of saying it all year when Florida Atlantic plays like these higher-up teams in the top 25, they just don't have the talent. Uh, but Lane Kiffin, you know, he's he's trying to build that program, so eventually I feel like he'll be able to keep in these games, but they just don't have the talent right now to do it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of transfer quarterbacks out there, so maybe uh, and a lot of proven transfer quarterbacks that are going to be available next week. So maybe maybe Kiffin can pull a Kelly Bryant. Maybe he can pull, especially Jalen Hurts. Um, I, I'm not sure how good Hurts would be at a school like FAU, but still, I mean, you can still at least try to pull those. That would be I think it's going to watch with somebody like Kiffin at uh, a school like FAU. And then the next game we got is. Um, this game's a lot was a lot closer than the scores shows. Uh, number two Georgia traveling to Mizzou. Uh, Missouri's stadium's going under renovation, uh, under renovation, so it was kind of a kind of a crap show. It was hot, man. I think it was like I think they said it's like 116 on the field at one point. But uh, we both picked Florida. Fourteen was a 14 and a half point favorite. They didn't cover. They won by 14, 43 to 29. Missouri, Missouri beat themselves. Honestly, if it wasn't for that first half of playing absolutely awful football, then uh, that either Missouri wins this game or it's a lot closer than what the than what the uh, the score was. Um, Georgia held Maddie Mock without a passing touchdown uh, from thirteen to twenty three for two sixty and three touchdowns. 
Um, yours is really, really becoming like a, a backfield by committee, and it's it's kind of, they kind of wore Missouri down there towards the end. But like I said, I mean, if, uh, I think Missouri had a blocked punt for a touchdown, um, a fumble, I think a fumble for a touchdown. The ref yep. threw a little block on the fumble, and then, <laughs> um, and then and then an interception. So Missouri really killed themselves, and it was kind of kind of hard to watch it because it felt like the game was a lot closer than the fourteen points really shows. Yeah, and the you know I watched the first half of that game. Um, I think I think a lot of people. This just goes to show that. Uh, Missouri is kind of, you know, I don't think they're they're good enough defensively to uh, beat Georgia or uh, beat Kentucky. You know, like basically the top two dogs in the East right now. Uh, but you know, they they did show that um, you know they can compete with anybody in the SEC. Uh, but I think you know what what else was shown that game is that Georgia um, is not invincible either. Um, they can definitely be beat. Uh, they're not – I don't feel like they're one step below Alabama just because Alabama right now is just on a completely different level, uh, you know, from start to finish. But, um, you know, when you go play at home, you know, at, on a road game in the SEC, it's always good to get a win no matter where it's at. But like you said, Missouri definitely uh, – if they didn't – play terrible and just make bad mistakes in the first half they definitely would have had a chance more than likely uh, at the end of the game to try to win so uh, Missouri kind of beat themselves that game but it also just shows that you know Georgia's just gonna uh, be a team that you know really just kind of is efficient on offense while just being kind of uh, stifling on defense so that's kind of who their identity is they're kind of just like a one step behind Alabama right now as far as what I can see but Missouri definitely uh, played well enough in the second half to win that game. They just got to keep it together in the first. Yeah, and Georgia hasn't been super impressive to me. I mean, they they beat South Carolina pretty handily. And then, I mean, the 14-point win at Missouri is obviously a good win because Missouri's not a walkover. And holding Matty Mock, like I said, to no passing touchdowns, that's definitely a big feat. But uh, Georgia's not really impressed me yet so far. Um, honestly, like you said, Alabama's in, in – their own league, and then I think I think Ohio State's the the second best team in the nation. They're they're not the most they're not the second most talented. I obviously think Georgia is, but uh, Georgia's got a lot of kinks to work out. They lost a lot from last year, so um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where that where kind of Kentucky is in that in that mix with Georgia. And then uh, I think Georgia plays Auburn. It'll definitely be able that'll be kind of a telling game for when Georgia plays plays Auburn. And right. the next game. Um, was a pretty big surprise, and it's going to be a good surprise for you. Was uh, at number eight Notre Dame, the eight point favorite, traveling to Wake Forest. This game was never really in question. Um, Notre Dame came out and said that they were going to start book, and I don't, I don't even know if Wimbush ever seen the field, and he never, like, he no. never really called for him to. Uh, no. Book was twenty five of thirty four for three twenty five. Wow, I didn't even notice that he threw for three twenty five, three twenty five, and two touchdowns. Um, we both picked Notre Dame. Notre Dame won fifty six to twenty seven. Um, Notre Dame's offense looked completely different with with Book at quarterback. It it was kind of it kind of stalled in the in the first couple of drives. They only scored seven points in the first half, but they hadn't scored twenty four all year. They hadn't scored more than twenty four points all year. Yeah, they, they scored, scored twenty four. They scored yeah, they scored twenty four and a half. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it it was a lot more impressive. Obviously, Book's going to be the guy from here on out. Um, Wimbush might be another guy that's going to be a transfer. Um, that'll be another interesting thing to watch. But I think with Book behind the center, um, it's definitely going to be a, a – Notre Dame's definitely a contender now because I don't think they were with Book, or with uh, Wimbush. No. Uh, and Ian Book's actually my player of the week this week. Um, you know, like you said, he threw for 325 yards and two touchdowns, but he also had three rushing touchdowns, so that's five total. Yeah. Uh, it's super impressive. You know, of course it was. Uh, against kind of like a lackluster team in Wake Forest, but to still go on the road after your offense has been struggling all year, um, to go on the road and to put that much points on the board, especially in the first half, and then really just kind of explode offensively. Uh, you know, for me as a Notre Dame fan, I think for a lot of people across the country, that really just kind of showed how good this Notre Dame team can be if their offense gets going. So, 
Yeah, and I think, if, like you said, if Notre Dame has an offense that's even semi-capable, because, I mean, it was just – it was terrible whenever uh, whenever uh, Wimbush was the quarterback. I think it puts Notre Dame right now at the moment, because I think those – like I said, those four at the top are kind of in their own league. Um, but I think that puts Notre Dame nipping at the heels in, in fifth. I don't think LSU's there because they don't really have – I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, LSU's quarterback's good. But, I mean, look at – he's a good leader, but looking at his stats, and I was, I was watching a little bit about him today, his stats are not good. So, that kind of answers the question and answers the call for Notre Dame. And I don't really think Wake Forest um, is a lackluster team because that, that, that was um, expected to be a pretty close game. So, definitely a quality win for Notre Dame, especially coming in and not letting it kind of be a trap game. They're kind of setting an example for uh, this, this game coming up this week with Stanford. Right. Yeah, and that's all they got to do. Um, you know, we'll talk about that Stanford game in a little bit. But, all you, I mean, it was a good – it was a good, you know, basically them just pushing the refresh button uh, and mm-hmm. trying to jump stop, jump start that offense because uh, Wimbush, you know, just can't make plays at quarterback and that offense was stalling and their defense was having to win a lot of games, which is why we had close games against Ball State uh, and Bandy, which, you know, we're – uh, more more talent and more athletic than both of those teams, but we let them keep around because our offense couldn't score. Not even couldn't score, but we really couldn't even get first downs a lot of the time, which is just yeah. embarrassing. So, you know, I like Book. I, I wanted Book to start really after the week two, after he, you know, after Wimbush looked terrible. Yeah. Um, but I think it was a gutsy – it's a gutsy call by Brian Kelly to throw Book in there, uh, you know, really – almost at the midpoint of the season almost. So I liked it a lot. I like book. I like this offense now, uh, especially because we kind of have playmakers uh, on all sides of the field on offense and our defense is stout. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a big game this week at South Bend. Yeah. And then the next game, we, we started off five for five this week. So this first game we picked, <clears throat> we both, we all got them right. So uh, next game is number 22, Texas A&M at number one, Bubba. Uh, Bama was the 27-point favorite. Um, we said that uh, we said that A&M would cover, and they did. Poor Kellamon ran for his life. He had 18 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown. And my player of the week, uh, Tua, had 22, 22 of 30, 387, and four touchdowns. Now Texas A&M's secondary is really nothing, nothing crazy, but I mean, you got you got Jimbo as your coach, so obviously your defense is going to be pretty good. Um, like I said, Mon ran for his life. Tua dominated. Final score was 45-23. There's really not much to talk about with this game. Alabama's in the in a league of their own. I don't know who's going to – I'm excited to sit, watch a team compete with them and kind of see how Tua, Tua reacts to that and see how the entire Alabama team reacts to it because, like I said, they're, pr- they're pretty young for a Nick Saban coach team. So, I'm excited to uh, kind of keep up with Alabama. They got they got a cupcake this week, but I think they got a big game with um, with LSU coming here soon. So we'll definitely find out a lot about those two teams. But Alabama beat Texas A&M, but Texas A&M good dig cover uh, forty five to twenty three. And then uh, the next game we had was South Carolina, the two point favorite over Vandy. Um, South Carolina obviously pulled out that game. Vandy said they were looking for, I think, I think that their words were a dog fight or a street fight or something like that. And they definitely uh, they got what they asked for. They just didn't show up for the street fight. Um, hmm. I, I I just don't understand Vanderbilt, man. Like I get it, uh, their quarterback's decent. He's a pretty decent uh, SEC quarterback. But I mean, man, they threw the ball. I think. Let me let me get that pulled up here just to just to verify. But I think he threw it like 50 times. And Jake Bentley only threw it 28. He threw it 38. 18 to 38. So um, less than 50% completion percentage. He had a 28.8 QBR. He only averaged uh, 4.7 4.7 yards per completion. And whenever it's pretty much the same story as when Vanderbilt played um, played you guys a couple weeks ago. They don't run the ball. I don't. I'm not really sure if they try to because I mean they got their leading rusher averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Uh, they had a guy averaging 13 yards per carry, so they just don't run the football. Um, Vandy's the the second least impressive team so far this year in the SEC. Obviously, Tennessee's at the bottom, and South Carolina's really not impressed me. But they beat Vandy 37 to 14. Uh, Vandy's kind of sliding. Uh, South Carolina, I thought it would kind of be a trap game for them, 
Um, but they were I guess they really weren't expecting Kentucky to go do what they did to, to Mississippi State, but they <clears throat> they went down there and uh, beat Vandy handily thirty thirty seven to fourteen. Yeah, and that's what you know, that's what we thought. Um you know, Vandy was kind of getting a little bit of hype around them uh, in the SEC just because they were winning a couple of games. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think Vandy's that good. You know, they played us a close game at home, but like I said, we were struggling against anybody. I mean, Williamsburg High School could probably go in there and give Jellicoe or give Notre Dame a, a game for, you know, a quarter or so. <laughs> but uh, Vandy, you know, Vandy's not uh, super impressive. You know, they're still on the bottom. Uh, bottom half of the SEC more than likely um, but a lot of people I think what you know what a lot of people uh, what happened to them is that they just writ off South Carolina basically for the rest of the year just because they got thumped by Georgia yeah. but I mean Georgia's obviously the top dog in the SEC East so it's kind of unfair but you know of course that was a bad loss that you know the, the score kind of got out of hand up there in South Carolina but this the South Carolina team still going to be a, a solid SEC school. They're they're still going to make a bowl this year. So, you know, they definitely could go on to win a couple games. Um, you know that they might not. You know that they shouldn't win. Uh, and it you know they could be a trap game for a couple of these SEC schools. So, South Carolina just went and took care of business, and they they handled that street fight or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> In the next game, probably my surprise of the week. Is uh, Texas uh, TCU number seventeen TCU the three point favorite t- traveling to Texas? Um, Texas won the game. We both missed this game. Texas won the game thirty one to sixteen. Super impressive win. Um, Texas defense is kind of looking like a Tom Herman coached team. They're uh, I think they forced I think five turnovers and really the game was never really close. It was it was close at, at the half. I think TCU actually had the lead and then. Texas just came out and just took control of the game. Uh, Ellinger, 22 of 32 for two touchdowns, no interceptions. If Ellinger doesn't turn over the ball, Texas is a pretty pretty capable offense. And then he ran the ball 11 times for a touchdown. And what was impressive to me was that they slowed down the, uh, the rushing and uh, passing attack of Sean Robinson from TCU. He had he was 17 of 29, 197 yards. A touchdown, but he had two picks, a 37 QBR, and uh, he only had 57 yards on the ground. So, like I said, Texas is starting to look like a Tom Herman coach team, and um, they're really they're really kind of starting to to really uh, kind of mesh together as a team. They're they're a pretty young team. They got they got a lot of talented freshmen. So Texas is going to be a team to watch. I think they bumped up to 18 this week in the top 25 poll, uh, right behind Kentucky. So Texas. May Texas may be back. I'm not sure. Um, the the, the schedule really tell the tale for that one because uh, they've got a they got some more tough games. Obviously, being in the in the Big Twelve with uh, Oklahoma State. Oh, I think they got Oklahoma not this week but next week. So definitely going to be a, a a big big game to see where Texas actually is this 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 year. Yeah, and I think um, you know no matter how bad uh, or good Texas is going to you know how good texas is um it's still going to be easily one of the top 10 hardest places to play when you go play at texas yeah you know whenever there's 101,000 people screaming at you it's definitely not an easy place to play uh but texas got two back-to-back top 25 wins after that bad maryland win week one so mm-hmm. you know they've definitely started to from what it looks like um turn their season around um but you know, TCU uh, losing to Ohio State and then losing to Texas, that's just really two, um, you know, bad losses, uh, you know, as far as, like, team morale goes. Yeah. So, but I still think TCU is probably a top three school in the Big 12. Um, but, you know, only time will tell to see how good Texas is going to be this year. I think the big game, obviously, like you said, is going to be the Oklahoma game just because as of right now, Oklahoma's the, you know, the – the big dog uh, in the Big 12, and it, it's not really close as of right now. But, you know, Texas surprised uh, not only you but me as well um, just for them to be a top 25 team in, a, in you know, in the second week in a row is big for that program and big for uh, Herman. So I'm not going to say Texas is back until they actually 
consistently win games. I just think, you know, they have one of the most overhyped programs in, in the country. But, you know, two good back-to-back wins for Texas back in the top 25. Uh, maybe that Maryland game was just a, you know, kind of a fluke. So, we'll see about it. Yeah, and then the next game, uh, I picked wrong and you picked right. The next two games, I actually picked wrong. So, um, 14 Mississippi State. I said I was okay with picking this wrong. It was a 10-point favorite heading into UK. Um, the game was never in question. It was a it was a seven point game at halftime, but then um, Nick Fitzgerald, man, he has killed his. I mean, he's obviously not on the Heisman race anymore, but I get he got suspended week one, and he has just looked absolutely terrible all year. He's ran the ball pretty decent. He obviously didn't against Kentucky, but man, I just I, I can't believe how bad Mississippi State's looked um, the last couple of weeks. I thought that they were kind of getting some steam because he threw the ball pretty good the week before, but. I mean, Kentucky only threw the ball 14 times for 71 yards and an interception, didn't even have a touchdown, but ran the ball 47 times for 229, averaged five yards per carry as a team for four touchdowns. Uh, Benny Snell, Heisman hopeful, 25 carries, 165 yards, averaged 6.6 yards per carry. That's insane. He carried the ball 25 times and he averaged six and a half yards per carry. Um, Kylan Hill, the guy that was kind of trash-talking Benny all week on Twitter, uh, four rushes for 14 yards. His long was seven, so half of his yardage came on one carry. Um, not really much to speak about. Uh, Kentucky sold it out. It was a, it was a wet game, obviously. Um, sold out the game. The fans stayed. They rushed the field. Um, a, a huge win for Kentucky. Um, I'd been doubting them for a while, so like I said, it, it was kind of kind of a good good win for Kentucky to kind of throw out there that hey. Uh, especially for Stoops to throw out there that, hey, as Kentucky fans, you can trust me, you can believe in me. We're at least the second-best team in the SEC East, and um, you guys kind of need to hop on hop on the Benny train, and they need to get him up. They need to get Benny a Heisman, a Heisman page going like they do uh, Will Greer and everybody else. Oh, yeah, Benny Snell for Heisman 100%. Uh, especially after you know him scoring all four of Kentucky's touchdowns. <laughs> So I mean that's just I mean he's just an absolute workhorse at, at the running back position. Um, I probably have him as you know either one or two top running backs in the country right now. It's really him or Bryce Love, either one. Uh, you're both going to get your money's worth. But you know t- Kentucky was my surprise team of the week. Uh, I picked Kentucky to win, but I was just surprised of you know how bad they really outclassed Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things that Kentucky proved is that they have a legit SEC offensive line mm-hmm. that can walk downfield and, you know, open those gaps up for Benny Snell. And then they have a legit top four, you know, top three or four SEC defense um, right now. Uh, Kentucky's defense held Mississippi State to only 56 yards on 28 carries. Yeah, that's that's pretty insane. That's pretty insane. Uh, and you were talking about Fitzgerald and Kentucky kind of just took the will away from Mississippi State in that second half. You can kind of see it. Uh, you know, they were like, you know, they were kind of scruffling around before the game started and Mississippi State was uh, kind of smack talking them all week leading up to the game. And Kentucky just kind of made Mississippi State eat their own words. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mississippi State, they they couldn't get anything going really on either side of the ball. Uh, and they, you know, Kentucky's defense kept one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the country uh, to only 145 yards in an INT. So, the, you know, their defense is super good. They have a good offensive line. Uh, of course, you know, teams are going to start, you know, scouting and loading up the box for Benny Snell. But mm-hmm. if if Terry Wilson can keep the offense, uh, you know, the chains moving on offense, and then Benny Snell keeps being a workhorse, this Kentucky team's legit. So. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as Benny Benny stays healthy, they can they can, and it's not because Benny that they can compete with Georgia. It's because their defense. Their defense is legit. Josh Allen is one of the best defensive end, three four linebackers that I've seen in, in a while, especially at Kentucky. I mean, super impressive. Um, Kentucky Kentucky's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I'm I'm super surprised with them because I I mean, if you you that's usually been their downfall is that they haven't had a quarterback that can either control the game for them or win the game for them. And it's not that their quarterback is just some dominant guy. It's kind of like Joe Burrow at LSU. He just fits the scheme. He fits it perfectly. Whenever you need him to do something, he does it. And he only had, what, I think I said 71 yards. But 
I mean, I didn't get to watch the game because I was busy watching Tennessee get dog stomped. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I came out and realized Benny had four touchdowns, and I didn't have to look at the score. So, Georgia, I mean, not Georgia. Kentucky's going to go as far as they, as far as Benny will take them, and as far as their defense will take them. They can beat anybody in the SEC East, and they can compete with most teams from the West. So, I think, I mean, I think. I think they have an eighteen percent chance to go eleven and one. I think nine and three is definitely realistic for them. Um, Ten and two if they don't get upset at some point in the season. So they still got. I think they go to Texas A&M this week or next week. Next then, week. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, they got South Carolina this week, and then they got they still have Georgia left. And obviously, I mean Tennessee's not nothing to be dealt with. But I mean it's, it's <laughs> at Tennessee, so if they can get over the Florida hump and consistently get to where they can beat Tennessee. Uh, Stoops is definitely heading in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I was all for Kentucky this week. I was in Kentucky this weekend. Um, you know, they were trying to, they were trying to set the bluegrass on fire after that win. You know, you were kind of talking about earlier today or yesterday, how you didn't agree with them rushing the field. But when you're a, for the most part, a perennial loser, in college football, whenever you have a good season, I think it's okay for you to celebrate. Um, so I, I'm super impressed with this Kentucky team. You know, they're still Kentucky football, so it's hard, you know, to put 100% faith in them, you know, whoever they're playing. But I think this is probably probably their year to really make some moves in the SEC and to really try to make a big bowl game. Um, I don't think, you know – I. I think realistically you kind of have to look at it and, you know, you can't put them in the same conversation with Alabama. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, I, you know, it's, it's going to be a good game when they play Georgia. I think that's their biggest game of the year. Uh, that might really be Georgia's biggest game, you know, of the year of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, if both these teams stay undefeated until then, that's going to be a super hype game. So uh, Kentucky just has to keep winning these games and Stoops has to just keep, uh, coaching well enough to win these games and get his players keep, you know, playing at this level. Yeah, and the next game is the game that I spent – well, and I didn't spend the money on it. I actually got birthday money for my birthday. But probably the worst money I've ever spent in my life was going – What a, what a yeah, waste. Yeah, what a waste was going to uh, my first ever Tennessee-Florida game. I was super excited about it. Um, the first drive, it reached 109 decibels in there. So, obviously, the fans were ready. Uh, the alumni were ready. Every single person was ready. Even Florida was ready, except Tennessee. Um, defense didn't look terrible. Uh, you picked Florida, obviously. I picked Tennessee. Um, we allowed 47 points, but the first 21 points, 28 points that Florida scored were short drives um, due to the offense's turnovers. Tennessee can't block. JG, 7 of 18 for 164 and two picks. I don't remember. Yeah, I do remember his second picks. Both of his picks were his fault. The first one was JG doesn't make stupid decisions, and I've been kind of an ambassador for that. But his first interception was terrible. Um, the first turnover we had of the game, our running back and our tight end both blocked the same dude and didn't block the only pass rusher, and JG fumbled. Uh, Felipe Franks had a decent game. I mean, 9 of 18 for 172. But he had three touchdowns instead. Of, he didn't turn the ball over. Felipe didn't. Um, Scarlett, 11 to 77 for a touchdown, averaged seven yards per rush. Her whole team averaged five and a half, five, almost six yards per rush. Tennessee averaged 2.9. Um, we ran the ball 20 more times for 56, 55 less yards. So Tennessee's got a lot to work on. I think it's, I think it's a good time for this to happen. So Tennessee fans can definitely now realize where. Where Tennessee at is at in the season, and where we're kind of at um, after Butch Jones, um, Florida. It's definitely a good win for Florida. I think everybody's still kind of overhyping them because Florida did not play that good. Um, Felipe played decent. He didn't really have a pass rush after him. when he did. You could tell Florida didn't have any. I think they had one sustained drive. I think they had four touchdown drives of one play. So. It's going to be interesting to see Florida this week against Mississippi State, obviously traveling back to Dan Mullen's um, previous job. Tennessee's got a lot to work on. I mean, three wins is realistic for Tennessee. We probably won't be picking another game for them this year unless, like, Vandy or something. But um, 
I mean, Tennessee's got a lot to work on, and, and having the worst season back to back is is definitely, um, definitely in, in the yeah, definitely something that could happen. Yeah, and I I, I mean, it, the game kind of went how I thought it would. Um, you know, we were both kind of wondering how you know how good these teams would play each other, just because Florida looked super unimpressive against Kentucky, and then uh, Tennessee's kind of looked super unimpressive. You know, basically all throughout the year. Uh, I I picked Florida. I thought it would be a lot, you know, a lot uglier of a game just because I didn't think that either one of these teams was really that good. But Florida really just dominated, you know, the entire game. Uh, and then more towards, you know, like the end of the third, they kind of just put it on cruise control and Tennessee kind of scored late. Um, so it kind of made the score, you know, look a little better. Um, but this game was really over, you know, halfway through the third quarter. This, You know, there was no – real threat to Florida for them to lose this game. Tennessee as a program right now is not where it usually is. Um, but it's just a hard, you know, it's a hard reality check for Tennessee fans just because uh, when you have, you know, you have some poser uh, as a head coach for, mm-hmm. at, you know, Butch Jones for so many years. Uh, and then for him to just kind of leave that program in shambles, you can't really expect the first year head coach to, you know, kind of rally that program and win six or seven games like people were predicting this year. So, you know, Tennessee's got a lot to work on. Florida still has a lot to work on. Um, I don't think Tennessee wins more than three or four games. Um, and Florida, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. They were top 25 earlier in the year, and then they kind of got embarrassed by Kentucky. So it's kind of been – um, downhill from there, but this Tennessee wins good. It's always good for Florida to beat Tennessee just because it's a rivalry. Um, but Florida has a lot to work on. Tennessee is going to have, you know, they they have at least a couple years, so they're going to be back to uh, the level that you know volunteers usually play at. So, but like I said, Florida put it on cruise control. Tennessee kind of scored late, so the score was a lot closer. But it it kind of went how I thought it would. Yeah, and all. The roster is like I think like ninety something percent Butch guys, and you can tell that because a lot of the guys haven't bought into what Jeremy Pruitt's doing. And that I mean that's something that if you're not a contender year in and year out, and if you played for somebody like Butch, who kind of who obviously babied his players because um, what happened with Cortez Sapp, um, you can kind of tell that a lot of those players haven't bought in, and you could tell later on in the game whenever the true freshman or the true freshman that start that were recruited by uh, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, like Alante Taylor and a couple of the, couple of the freshmen. Um, and even when Jeremy Banks came in, you can tell which guys are playing for Tennessee and which guys are kind of just going through the motions and trying to figure out where they're going to be at the end of the year. Um, yeah, Pruitt's, Pruitt's got a lot ahead of him. I'm glad we kind of have a guy like Pruitt who's just going to go out there and just say, hey, this is what happened. We're gonna, this is how we're going to fix it. And he's not just going to be like, oh, brick by brick, we're building it all back together one piece by time. But, um, I mean, I trust – as of right now, I still trust him through it. Um, I, but like like I said and like you said, he at least needs three years to, to put Tennessee back where they need to be. As Mike Reynolds said, Tennessee is now a basketball school. So <laughs> Yeah. And um, so the next game we had was one of the more bizarre games of the of the season i didn't get a catch yet but i listened to it on the radio on the way back home uh seven stanford traveling to number 20 oregon oregon 100 percent blew this game mario cristobal one of the worst coaching performances i've ever heard in my life um all you they're they're up at the end of the game all you have to do is kneel the football and for some odd reason they run it fumble it stanford gets it um goes to overtime stanford wins 38 to 31 um, thankfully, we both picked it. Picked this game. You was, was going a little bit crazy, texting me Stanford in all caps. <laughs> but um, I mean, good win for Stanford. Obviously, kind of a not a trap game because obviously Oregon's ranked. But um, going to Notre Dame the next week, I'm sure they were looking ahead to that. It never really the game wasn't in question until the fourth quarter, whenever Oregon started to started to kind of sputter out. But uh, Justin Herbert, Oregon's quarterback, another great performance, 26 of 33 for 346. Um, that is going to be a top five pick. There's no question about that. Um, I don't think – let me let me make sure, though. I don't know if Bryce Love – yeah, 19 at, for 89 for a touchdown. Um, Bryce Love's really not in the Heisman com, uh, conversation anymore. Oregon's running back had 
uh, more way more rushing yards on one more carry. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how Stanford can stack up. Uh, KJ Costello, Stanford's quarterback, finally stepped up a little bit and played played decent and completed some passes. Nineteen to twenty six for three twenty seven, which is super impressive, um, and three touchdowns. Ninety five point three QBR, a good win for Stanford. Obviously, I don't know how talented this team actually is. Um, David Shaw is one of the best coaches in the nation. I think that's pretty pretty obvious after a game like this. Whenever because people people think that coaching really doesn't matter, but coaching does matter, especially when you're a school like Stanford, where it's kind of hard to get the top notch players there because you got to have um, you got to make the academic the academics academic standards. So um, good win for Stanford, terrible loss for Oregon, and both have big games again this week. Yeah, and you said it best. Uh, Oregon definitely blew this game. Um, I thought. I thought about halfway in the fourth quarter this game was pretty much over, but you know that's why they that's why they suit up and play the game, play it till you know to the finish. Uh, and Oregon kind of let this game slip away from them, so that's just you know it's a heartbreaking loss for that Oregon program, but uh, it's also a good comeback win for the Stanford team. Um, both, I mean, you know, the, as of right now. Um, you know, both of those teams are probably the top two teams uh, in the Pac-12. Maybe, I mean, them, Washington, and Oregon, you can kind of interchange them however you see them. Uh, but it's a good win for Stanford. Stanford's going to have a real big test this week at South Bend. Uh, and then Oregon's got another big game this week as well. So, they, Oregon's got to bounce back, and Stanford's got to try to show that they're a legit playoff contender and worthy of that top ten spot. Yeah, and I think, uh, like you said, I think the Pac-12 may be the second-best conference, um, not because they have the best, the second or third or even probably fifth or sixth-best team, but, I mean, they're 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 really good um, top to bottom other than, like, UCLA or whoever's at the bottom of the of the Pac-12. But, I mean, you got Stanford, Oregon. Uh, the next two teams were going over Washington, Arizona State. Um, you got a lot of – you got a lot of good teams. Cal. Yeah, Cal. Uh, who snuck into the rankings? Not not anybody was really talking about them. So um, a lot of a lot of big a lot of big name teams, a lot of a lot of good a lot of good teams, obviously. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if the Pac-12 does like we think the SEC is going to do and just kind of beats itself up, or if um, somebody just kind of runs away with it, like like Stanford's looking like they're going to do. And then the next game we have uh, Arizona State with uh, leave it all on the field. Or what is it? Leave it all on the grass. On the grass. I knew I said that wrong. Arizona State traveling to number ten Washington. I said it that this game will be close. Washington. Uh, they never did release the the spread for whatever reason. But Arizona State's not a bad football team. Uh, we both picked Washington because obviously we figured we both kind of predicted that Washington's offense would get it going, and they did. Jake Browning fifteen and twenty two for two hundred and two and three touchdowns. Um, Washington won this game 27-20. to 20. Arizona State's fight with a lot of teams, man, and having Herm Edwards as a coach is obviously, obviously a good thing. I think that Arizona State can compete. Uh, they may only get six or seven wins because the Pac-12 is so good, but uh, that's definitely a team to watch out for. And Washington, um, if they win out, they, I, I think Lewis and Auburn kind of hurt them at the beginning of the year because I'm not sure how good Auburn really is. But um, it's going to be interesting to see that that Stanford and Washington matchup. I'm not sure if they play in the in the uh, regular season. I think they might actually have to play in the postseason. But regardless, I think I think that's the two best teams in the Pac-12. But like I said, it's going to be interesting to watch again. Yeah, um, obviously Herm Edwards has kind of started to change that Arizona State program around. Uh, they were good, you know, when we were growing up. You know, they were pretty consistent mm-hmm. uh, top five team when we were growing up, but. Uh, before Herm Edwards, they were kind of on a downhill slide. Uh, but he's really turned that program around. I'm sure he's a good coach to play for. He gets his players pumped up, uh, and they really buy into a system. Um, you know, Washington with Browning, me and you were both kind of dogging on him on weeks prior just because he didn't come out and impress us like a lot of people thought he was going to. Uh, but he definitely got it going, which is big for that Washington team. Uh, because they really, you know, when you get to this point of the season, you really got to start to, you know, prove your identity and uh, show people, you know, what, what this football team's about. So for him to come back, it's a good 
good start uh, against a, a solid Arizona State. And for them to get this win, it's good for Washington as they try to, you know, battle it out with Stanford for who's going to win the Pac-12. Um, but Arizona State's definitely going to be a bowl, a bowl team this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with Herm Edwards, you know, it's really only up from there. You know, if you give him a couple years, I think, to recruit and for him to keep getting more, um, you know, better players, uh, then that program's only going to go up from here. So, Yeah, just to kind of uh, recap again, uh, I went 7-3 and three this week, Logan 9-1. and one. That brings me to 22-11 and 11 for the season and bumps Logan all the way up to 21-12. and 12. So um, definitely, definitely coming close. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out this week. I don't like I said. We don't really go over the picks on who we pick. We kind of try to keep that to ourselves. We've already went over our players of the week and our surprise of the week. So um, we're gonna go ahead and jump into week five of the pick 'em. First game we got is number two or number two, number twenty BYU at huh. number eleven Washington. Um, I thought it was pretty, pretty. The spread is is kind of, kind of um, misleading. Washington is a seventeen and a half point favorite over BYU. Obviously, it's at Washington. Um, BYU went to Wisconsin and got that win early in the season. I'm not really sure how good BYU is because I'm, I don't, I don't really care for BYU, so I don't really watch them that much. But I mean, obviously, <laughs> if they're on TV, I'll watch them. But I'm going Washington. Uh, Washington's defense. Top probably top five, top ten in the nation, and their offense really figured it out last week. So um, this this can be a game to definitely keep an eye on. But like I said, that spread's super misleading. Uh, Seventeen and a half. I definitely think Washington wins, but BYU covers. Yeah, I have Washington as well. Uh, I think Browning continues to rebuild. You know his draft stocks. Uh, you know his senior season after kind of being. Um, you know, a little unimpressive his first couple of weeks. So I think he builds off that Arizona State win. Uh, and I think Washington wins 31 to 21. Uh, I don't think they cover that spread because it is a little high. Uh, you know, BYU is a, is a top 25 team, but Washington gets this win at home pretty pretty easily. Yeah, and the next game is uh, two more Pac 12 teams that we talked about was is uh, number 19, Oregon, traveling to number 24, Cal. 24, Cal really hasn't been talked about much. We, we, picked uh, their game with North Carolina earlier on in the season. And that was a close game with a pretty bad North Carolina team. Um, Oregon really doesn't want to start 0-2 in the Pac-12 and drop to 3-2. and So I'm going with Oregon. Uh, they're Like I said earlier, they're coming off one of the most disappointing losses that I can think of recently um, with, like I said, running the ball instead of kneeling it. And um, they should have beat Stanford. And I think Oregon bounces back and uh, beats what I think is a, a pretty overrated Cal team. I'm not saying that Cal shouldn't be ranked because obviously they're 3-0 and and in the Pac-12. Oregon's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I, think, or, I think Oregon wins handily over, like I said, overrated Cal team. Yeah, I have Oregon win this game. Uh, Oregon's won the last eight of the nine meetings against Cal. So, you know, they've kind of dominated uh, this series with California for the last, um, you know, almost decade. So, Oregon showed last week, obviously, that they're, a, you know, they're a for real team. If they don't choke that game, they're probably uh, pushing up on that top 10 spot in the top 25. So, um, you know, they have a legit NFL quarterback, uh, Oregon does. And, you know, like I said, they should have beat Stanford. They choked away that game. So, I think they come back and take care of business against Cal, and they win by two scores. And then the next game, it's on here because, obviously, Syracuse beat Florida State pretty handily. And this is a pretty interesting game for the fact that um, it's Syracuse traveling to number three, Clemson. It's obviously a 25-point spread, but there's a lot of there's a lot of storylines with this game, as we touched on earlier. Uh, Kelly Bryant. Replaced by Trevor Lawrence after I mean Kelly Bryant was like I think six for nine or something in the in the Georgia Tech game I think got pulled after the first or second drive but anyways uh, Dabo named Trevor Lawrence a starter uh, thankfully didn't didn't kind of sabotage Kelly Bryant's senior season so Kelly tr- can transfer and he did announce today that he is going to transfer hadn't been to practice all week so. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Lawrence does as, since he is the man now. And if something does happen to Lawrence, uh, God forbid, there's no, there's no more starting or there's no more scholarship quarterbacks on the roster for Clemson. All four scholarship quarterbacks other than um, Lawrence obviously have transferred out this year. 
and all they have left is a walk-on true freshman and um, a couple more walk-ons. So um, I still pick Clemson to win, um, but like I said, they're in a super weird spot. And you're benching Kelly Brown, the guy who led you to the national semifinals last year, and um, I'm not. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is obviously better than Bryant, but if it's not for Bryant, uh, they don't. If they don't have Bryant, they don't win the Texas A&M game, and they're not. They're not the number two, the number three team now, the number three team in the nation anymore. So, I think it's. I think it's going to be super interesting, and I think that's going to kind of linger over their head. And um, I'm not sure how Lawrence is going to handle it, but I think Clemson wins. But I think it's definitely going to be closer than 25 points. It may even be um, a single score game. Yeah, and I have I have Clemson win this game. Uh, I kind of I kind of brought it up a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, this quarterback battle at Clemson was definitely not going to be over. Um, I did think that Lawrence was going to end up, you know, coming in and playing. I didn't think that they were going to pull, uh, you know, their their starter Bryant um, so early in the season. But you know, Dabo, like you said, I don't think Dabo kind of wanted to get him stuck there. Uh, if you know, if moving forward, he's not going to be the man. Uh, but I have Clemson winning this game. Uh, Syracuse beat a, a terrible Florida State team, so you know they kind of have a little buzz going around him. But uh, a lot like Notre Dame, once they, you know, once Clemson put a different quarterback in, they their offense just started clicking on all cylinders. You know, because yeah. they they have talent on the outside and they have a, a, a decent offensive line uh, and, a, and a pretty solid running back core. So. You know, that quarterback change really helped that offense. Um, I think they, they take care of business against Syracuse, uh, even though it is kind of a little bit of a trap game. But uh, I think they dominate Syracuse and win by four scores. And I don't know if you can hear it right now, but Lily is definitely throwing a fit. So um, I'm going to go ahead and apologize for that. But we're going we're gonna to go ahead and continue because she, she hopefully won't cry for forever. But we'll go ahead and just kind of kind of keep the train rolling. Uh, the next game we got is number 12, West Virginia, three-and-a-half-point favorite traveling to Texas Tech. This is a super interesting game. Um, I think the final score is going to be 199. <laughs> Not really, but it's going to be it's going to be a super high-scoring game. And it, I think it's going to be whoever wins the game is whoever turns the ball over less. And um, Alan Bowman, te- Texas Tech's quarterback, 129 for 179 for 1,557 yards. He didn't even play all the first game. For ten touchdowns, so um, it's going to be interesting to watch how he stacks up against Will Greer and uh, David Seals the fifth for for West Virginia. Um, Greer's a top quarterback prospect next year, and um, I'm going to pick West Virginia this game just based off their talent and uh, their experience. But this is probably going to be one of the more fun games to watch, and I'll probably well no, it's at it's at noon, so. Um, it, it'll at least have me in a pretty decent mood before I got to watch Tennessee get destroyed by Georgia. Yeah, and I have uh, West Virginia win this game. Is uh, it's definitely going to be all about offense because apparently neither one of these teams know how to play defense. Um, so it's definitely going to be a Big Twelve shootout. Uh, but I just think West Virginia is the more um, talented and loaded offense. Uh, but Texas Tech, you know, like you said, it's you know. It, they're definitely going to put some serious points on the board. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, one team scores 60-something and the other one scores 40 or 50. So, uh, it's definitely going to be a shootout. But I, I have I have West Virginia winning this game. Uh, I think they're just a little bit better defensively. Yeah. And I think they go on to win by two scores. So, um, the next game is a pretty interesting game. is Florida traveling to number 23, Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. They- um, this is an inter- interesting game for a lot of a lot of standpoints because obviously it's the SEC game, and then you got Dan Mullen traveling back to Mississippi State um, for the first time, which I think is pretty ironic because you only I mean you only play two two West teams every year, and you just so happenly play your play your former team. So, um, I mean it's 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 a toss up. I think Florida. Um, coming off just destroying the Vols and Mississippi State coming off a super disappointing game. Um, a lot of teams are kind of um, – obviously, Florida's riding high, and I think Mississippi State's pretty pissed off. Um, I think, But I think a lot of people are giving Florida way too much credit, like I said earlier, for, for beating a really bad Tennessee team. Now, granted, we didn't know how bad Tennessee was, but um, I think Fitzgerald in the run game will bounce back. I'm not sure how much better uh, they can throw on – 
Florida than they did as I mean as bad as they did against Kentucky last week. It can't get much worse. But um, Florida's not good on the back end. Um, I think it's going to be a super chippy game. I think there may be um, a couple a couple personal fouls. I think a guy to watch to get a personal foul is DJ Henderson from from Florida. Man, that guy is just a just a, a, a idiot. Is how is what he acts like. I'm not calling him an idiot, but that's what he acts like. Um, I'm picking Mississippi State, but it's going to be I think I think seven and a half is a good spread. I think Mississippi State probably wins by seven, but it's going to be, like I said, a super chippy game. Yeah, I also have Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State's going to look for a good comeback win after being embarrassed in Lexington. Uh, Florida doesn't nearly have – you know, they don't nearly have as good of a a defense uh, as Kentucky does. Yeah. So I think Mississippi State will actually get to do, you know, what they like to do – you know, kind of get the run game going first and get Fitzgerald moving out of the pocket uh, and kind of get him going uh, through the air and, you know, on the ground. So I think Mississippi State, you know, do, you know, I think they basically control this game. I think they, they kind of force Florida into situations that Florida's not comfortable with. So I think Mississippi State uh, covers the spread and they win by two scores. Uh, and I think, you know, the, it's going to be kind of like the Tennessee game last week. It, Florida's just going to have to, you know, Florida fans are just kind of going to have to look in the mirror and check in with the reality that this Florida program is um, not as good as they usually are, uh, especially on the defensive side as well. So I think it's a reality check for Florida, and I think Mississippi State bounces back nicely after getting embarrassed in Lexington. Yeah, and the next game is probably the – I don't know if it's the – it's the most interesting game because it's, it's a Big Ten matchup. I don't think it's the most interesting game of the week, but I do think it's um, – it's it's a big game for the Big Ten because whoever wins this game is going to have the best shot of uh, of making the the college football playoff for the Big Ten. Uh, we got number four Ohio State three and a half point favorite traveling to number nine Penn State. Penn State hasn't really shown me anything great so far this year. Um, they almost lost last week to Illinois until <laughs> Illinois uh, broke Clay Travis's heart. It's what. Letting Penn State, I think they scored 35 in the fourth quarter after being up at, at the half. Um, Penn State hasn't looked that great. Penn State, I think, is second in the nation in offense, and Ohio State's number one. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a pretty high scoring game. Um, Ohio State is, like I said, the second best team in the nation, and Myers, Myers back and ready to make a run up the national title. And um, I've said this a bunch of times, and I'll probably keep saying it every week until. Until they prove otherwise, Meyer. Uh, whenever something happens, uh, whether it's legal or whatever, he um, he kind of rallies the team, and his teams definitely rally around that. So I think Ohio State beats the beats the crap out of Penn State this week. Uh, I also have uh, Ohio State this week. Uh, like you said, Urban Liars coming back, uh, and Ohio State's really just been clicking all season without him. So I think. You know, as you know, you're not going to say this, but as you know, he's definitely not going to come back and kind of, um, you know, throw things out of balance. You know how this team's been playing all year. I think he only he comes back and helps them out, uh, if anything. So, you know, when you have debatably the you know the best or second offensive co- or you know head coach in the nation, yeah, uh, it's always going to be good for your program when he comes back. Uh, Penn State, it's always a tough place to play up there in Death Valley. Uh, it's going to be, you know, a super hyped-up game. Uh, I think it is the college game day game, I'm pretty sure. It is, and, so, they're, and they're having a wideout. Penn State's doing that wideout they always do. Yeah, so it's going to be a super hyped-up game. Both teams will come ready to play. Both teams are going to try to take control over the Big Ten. Um, but I like Ohio State. I think their offense, you know, might be the best offense in the country. Yeah. Uh, with You know, they might debatably have – this you know top three quarterbacks in the country as well in Haskins, um, so I think they're super impressive. I don't think it. You know, I don't think this game really gets out of hand. I think it's a real nail biter game that keeps people you know kind of glued to their TV uh, and Ohio State fans kind of sweating. But I have Ohio State winning by a touchdown. And I think they take care of business uh, against Penn State. Do you think uh, not having Bosa hurts Ohio State? It definitely hurts their defense. Um, it definitely hurts their pass rush, which, you know, if he was playing uh, against McSorley this week, it probably the spread would probably be a lot higher. But, you know, he's a top he's a top 15 prospect. So, of course, whenever he goes out, it's definitely going to hurt uh, their defense. But 
I think they're I think they're they're deep enough on defense um, to you know kind of still get a pass rush and kind of uh, force Penn State to do things they're not comfortable with, and I think they kind of contain McSorley to make him you know make some of the throws or runs that he you know he probably doesn't want to do. But really, with Ohio State this year, it's all—it's going to be all about their offense and just how you know how good they can be on that side of the field. Yeah, and before the injury, I think Bosa was the number one actually, the number one prospect coming into the draft. If he leaves early this year, um, the over under this game is seventy-one. Um, just just a couple. Um, I think that's the highest. The next closest that I've seen here is uh, fifty-nine and a half, like for o, um, Ole Miss, LSU. Uh, 58 for Oregon Cal, 51 Kentucky, South Carolina, um, 53 for Stanford and Notre Dame. So almost 20 points better than any other game that we can find. Um, I definitely think Haskins controls this game. McSorley is going to be super impressive to watch. Uh, it's going to be really intriguing also because he doesn't always show up big in the, in the biggest game. So that will be the next step for Penn State and James Franklin, especially losing uh, Joe Moorhead last year to, or this year to – to Mississippi State, so it's going to be interesting to see, and I think if Penn State wins this game, it it, it kills the chance of a Big Ten team making it to the college football playoff. Yeah, it'll, it'll be hard uh, just because, you know, the SEC as of right now is going to have two teams uh, that are trying to sneak in there at the same time, and then with Clemson, uh, and then, you know, if Ohio State loses, it kind of, of course, Penn State will move up a couple spots, but I think if um, you know, because you, you, the game after this, if Ohio State loses, you got Oklahoma mm-hmm. that's going to be up there if they win and take care of business. And then whoever wins this Stanford Notre Dame game is definitely going to be in the conversation. So uh, I agree. I think if Ohio State, just because they're the odds on favorite to win, uh, and, you know, as of right now, they're probably the second best team in the country, even though they're ranked at number four. Um, I think if they lose, it definitely hurts the, uh, you know, the Big Ten's chance to get in the playoffs. But, you know, you never know. It's still super early in the year, so a lot of things can happen. But I agree, it definitely does hurt the Big Ten's chance. Yeah, and then the next game, oh, you just mentioned it, is number seven, Stanford, traveling to Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Like I said, Book made the Notre Dame offense look completely different last year and, or last week, and that's, that's in a good way, not in a bad way. And uh, just looking here, Notre Dame has the second-best strength of record so far this year. So uh, they actually had a 27% chance to have the re- have the 4-0 record that they have now. So super impressive year so far for Stanford or for Notre Dame, and it's kind of been underwhelming. Uh, you should have probably could have killed or could have beaten Michigan worse, and then uh, you underwhelmed against Ball State. You came out finally against Wake Forest, put your foot down, and really uh, really took over that game and never never looked back, especially going into a game with Stanford. So. Um, Book hits the passes. Book hits the passes that Wimbush really. I don't know if he can't hit or that he just doesn't hit, but it really makes a huge difference for Notre Dame's offense and Stanford. Like I said, if it wasn't for the the terrible play calling by Oregon, they don't win that game last week, and I think they would have dropped to three and two. Um, I'm obviously picking Notre Dame, and I'm picking Notre Dame to win pretty big. Yeah, uh, I have Notre Dame winning. Obviously, um, as Colin Cowherd said today, I think they go and thump. Stanford at home, uh, that place is going to be just as or, you know, even more electric than it was against Michigan. Uh, this is definitely the biggest game of the year for Notre Dame, uh, just from looking, you know, at the rest of their schedule. It's probably, it, you know, it might be the biggest game on Stanford's uh, because these this is two teams with playoff contentions. Uh, one will probably fall out of that race with this loss just because, it, you know, from what it looks like right now, you're going to have to finish 12-0 and or 11-1. and uh, yeah. So, uh, big game for Notre Dame. Uh, definitely biggest game of the year. Uh, Notre Dame's offense finally got it going against you know, a, a pretty weak Wake Forest defense. But with Book looking that impressive the week before and, you know, Notre Dame's being – you know, Notre Dame's defense being as good as it has been all year, uh, I definitely like the chances at Notre Dame. Uh, and another thing, too, is a lot of teams kind of – you know, if you kind of – if you kind of stop Bryce Love, uh, Stanford offense doesn't really have the firepower uh, around him to, you know, kind of pick up where he leaves off sometimes. So I think Notre Dame's front seven really just comes in and tries to dominate. And then Notre Dame's good enough on the back end as well. 
Uh, Notre Dame has a super, you know, kind of underrated secondary uh, with a lot of talent and a lot of All-Americans on it. So uh, it's it's super impressive. But I think Notre Dame wins this game pretty easily. I do think it's more of a defensive game just because for some reason we always get like in these, uh, you know, in these these slobber knockers with Stanford. Um, so I think they win this game. I don't think they I don't think they blow them out, but I think they do dominate them on all fronts. Uh, offensive line and defense. So I think Notre Dame wins by two scores. Yeah, and uh, like you said, I'm not really sure how talented this Stanford team is outside of Bryce Love. Um, and Notre Dame's defense is super underappreciated by the nation, man. I mean, their defense is, is top-notch, definitely top ten, maybe even top five in the nation. And that's why you guys have won the game so far. Um, and your running game has picked up, and you got your running back back last week, and he's definitely coming back. He'll have he'll have a bigger uh, footprint on this game this week, and I think that definitely helps Notre Dame win. I, when I say big, I don't mean they beat them by like thirty or something, but I, I think they definitely win by somewhere around seventeen, some maybe even twenty one, somewhere around in there. Yeah, I, I like them a lot. Um, you know, it's at Notre Dame. It's always a tough place to play. Uh, this is probably the biggest game of the year, like I said. So. It's going to be sold out, um, you know, and Notre Dame is just really going to be pumped up because, you know, we're trying to show everybody in the country this year that we're a legit uh, playoff contender uh, and that we have the talent uh, on offense and defense along with the coaching, uh, which has all really been questioned uh, this year at some point. So mm-hmm. I think they try to sh- I think they try to prove that they, they deserve to be in that contention with, you know, the Ohio States and the Alabamas. Uh, and the Georgias. So I, th- I think this is going to be a good win and, you know, might be the biggest, uh, biggest win for Brian Kelly if they pull this off, you know, of, of his career at Notre Dame. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And another big game uh, for the SEC, especially, especially for Stoops to kind of, kind of solidify his place as the second best team in the SEC East is uh, Kentucky has another big game this week. Number 17, Kentucky against, uh, against South Carolina. South Carolina's traveling to Kentucky. Kentucky opened up as a two-and-a-half-point underdog, which was crazy to me, but now they're a one-point favorite. Um, Kentucky's ranked for the first time since 2007. Uh, put a couple exclamation points by that. I thought that was pretty crazy. And then the next craziest stat was 2-0 and in the SEC for the first time since 1977. Um, I know they've always played Florida kind of early in the year, so I guess that would knock them off of that. But that's, that's insane that they're 2-0 and for the first time since 1977. They're coming off their most meaningful victory that I can remember for a long time. And if they win this South Carolina game, that's just going to – obviously Mississippi State's not ranked, but this is important for their for their quest to, to win or compete for the East. So, um, South Carolina's kind of let me down. They really haven't shown much. They kind of laid an egg against Georgia. Bentley, super unimpressive, 71 of 100. He's only thrown 104 passes this year. For 780 yards and six touchdowns. Benny Snell's got more rushing touchdowns than the dude's got passing touchdowns. Um, Snell's a Heisman contender, and I think he'll go over 150 games this week. Cats by 10. Yeah, I, I have I have Kentucky winning. Uh, we don't pick a different game this week, which sucks, but whatever. Uh, I have Kentucky winning. Um, like I said, they were surprised. They surprised me last year and really kind of gave me, you know, faith to um, pick them a lot for the rest of the year. Uh, after a big game last week, I think Kentucky will come back, and I, I, I think they'll kind of look sluggish um, in the earlier. You know, they kind of have this big yeah. game over that a lot of teams kind of run into, but I do think uh, Kentucky gets it going. Uh, and South, like I said earlier, South Carolina is a, a, a solid SEC school, definitely a bowl, a bowl game school. Um, you know, but a lot of people just kind of written them off after getting pounded by Georgia. But there's not really going to be a whole lot of people. Uh, in the SEC who don't get pounded by Georgia this year. So I think it's a little unfair, but I like Kentucky. Uh, Benny Snell for Heisman, 100%. Go ahead and start the page. Start tweeting about it. Uh, I I did, and I'm not even a Kentucky fan, but uh, Benny Snell is a workhorse. Um, I think they get this going against South Carolina. I think their offensive line, like I said earlier, gets it going. And then their defense, you know, kind of – uh, just kind of clamps down on South Carolina's offense, and I think I think Kentucky wins by a touchdown. All right, guys, that wraps up the Week Five College Football Pick'em. Unfortunately, we didn't pick any different games, so 
we're going to have probably the same record unless one of us goes a little crazy and changes the game before Saturday. Um, I appreciate you guys listening again. Um, a, a lot of big games this week. Big big week for the Pac-12 and especially for Kentucky. Um, we'll see you guys again next week. We're going to go ahead and um, – that we're going to go ahead and cut off the high school podcast for this year. Um, we're going to go ahead and just release the college football podcast on Thursday or maybe Friday. It just depends on which day works better. But uh, we're going to continue the college football podcast. We'll continue to follow and retweet stats on Twitter and everything for high school football, especially for the East Tennessee region. So um, I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate everybody's support, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Leave it all in the grass, baby.